0: Don't worry about finding it because I've got to find it as well. We're looking uh, actually first at that page 15, which is um, Genesis 15, excuse me, verse 7. It's just one verse. And it says this, and this is God speaking. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. And Now if you slip over to uh, Exodus 20, that's that page 74, and it's, uh, we start at verse 1. And God spoke all of these words, I am the Lord your God but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alan, thank you very
1: much indeed. A short word of prayer, just as we look at um, God's word together, page 74. Father, thank you so much that you, as a good God, you wanna give us bread to live by, not a stone, to use Jesus' words. Thank you for scripture that lives and we ask that in the mysterious way of your spirit, you would make your word live to us today. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen, amen. Hands up if you go to school. One, two teachers, one, two other guys as well, or a nursery or something like that, yeah. Do, does your school, can I just ask, does your school have rules? Yeah, rules. I'm gonna do it, play a little game. Can I play a game with you now? Those of you who got rules, yeah, you got school rules, guidelines principles. Here's the game. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to tell me what immediately comes into your mind when I say this word, okay? Or phrase. I've already sort of used it, really, so you're warmed up. Ready? School rules. What comes into your mind immediately? What do you think? Second? Being in your classroom. are Are you thinking of a particular rule? Yeah? What were you thinking? Don't climb, over the Don't climb over the fences. Yeah. And can I unpack that a little bit? Because I can, uh, yeah. Would you like to climb over the fences? That'd be a good thing to, wouldn't that be quite a good thing to do? No? No, you want to obey that rule. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Be kind. It's another rule. I and mean, what do you generally think? Oh, rules. When I say rules and regulations and commandments, what do you think? Are you thinking... That's a good thing, or are you thinking that's a slightly sort of mm, a bad thing, a heavy thing, a kind of thou shalt not wagging a finger? What do we uh, adults? You, turn, you go with me here? You know that kind of, that immediate impression when we read here, I don't know if you saw it, chapter 20, the heading, the Ten Commandments. And I wonder whether we, uh, uh, images kind of fill our mind of Cecil B. DeMille films and sort of heavy, dark, black, foreboding skies and great big beards, even on the women, and wagging fingers and thou shalt not, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? I, sometimes I play this game, I go out, just sort of a pub or something, I made a little tape once, and I just got people to say the first thing that came into their mind when I said, Ten Commandments. And it was all sort of, thou shalt not, it was, you know, their face changed, their face went sort of contorted and, and heavy. And our impression is, when we encounter rules or the Ten Commandments, is that someone out there is out to spoil our fun. They're effectively negative. They inhibit freedom. They reduce life. They're not a good thing, is what we might lazily think, the Ten Commandments. And allied to that is this idea, and again, challenge me over coffee, if if, if you think I've got this wrong, but my impression is that the idea is that the Ten Commandments that we've just had read for us by Alan are what we've got to do in order to make God like us. Or if you like, the rules. We must follow the rules, and if we follow the rules, then the authority, the head or the governor, whatever it might be, will like us. They're conditional. If we do the Ten Commandments, then God will like us, and there's a chance that I might get into heaven. Basically, the... I mean, if I'm, if I'm far wrong, you must challenge me over coffee afterwards. So, Tim, you got that wrong. But I, my impression is that that's the general impression when we come to the Ten Commandments. And if we break one of the commandments or fall short of them, I mean, we may not have murdered, but I wonder, have we coveted or borne false witness, told a lie, not been absolute with the truth. And we fall short of these commandments and we think, oh, well, because I haven't been able to keep all the commandments, then God won't like me. And so the feelings of sort of guilt, I don't really like God and anyone associated with God, those clergy and their churches and all that. I don't really want to go too near them. I'm just going to feel guilty again. And all I want to say this morning is that nothing could be further from the truth about God and nothing could be further from the intention of these ten words. Do you see in verse one, if you've still got to open it, page 74. God spoke these words. We've kind of come to understand them as commandments, but they were actually words. And they were words not so much to create a relationship, but to describe a relationship that already existed. The Ten Commandments, they don't create a relationship nearly so much as they describe a relationship that already existed. Look at verse 2, and I'm just going to look at this verse this morning. I am the Lord your God. Now, there's code in there, and we've been, uh, if you forgive me if you've not been with us in previous weeks, we've been kind of unlocking the code, but that is code that God is using, that the people would have understood, and hopefully as we've been code-breaking over the last few weeks, we're beginning to understand. You notice that the word Lord is written in capitals, and that denotes the fact that God has revealed his name. It's, it's code, and there's no reason we should necessarily understand that, except that whenever you see the word Lord in capitals, and you often do in the Old Testament, it is, it's denoting the fact that God, that's his working title, has revealed his name, Yahweh. And so here, I am the Lord your God. A bit like me saying, I am Tim, your vicar. Vicar is kind of my ministry what I kind of do. Tim is the revelation of who I actually am. And God is saying to his people, I am Yahweh, your God. Not one of a number of gods you have to take off the shelf like the Egyptians, all their myriad of gods that they had to worship. No, I am your God. I belong to you. You are my people and I am your God, I am the Lord your God. In other words, there's a relationship that already exists. He hasn't given a single commandment, hasn't spoken a single word, and yet the first thing he says is relationship exists through covenant, the way in which God makes relationship. It's not through commandment, it's through covenant. I am the Lord your God, A relationship already exists. Look at the second thing he says in verse 2. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God has revealed who he is, and secondly, God has revealed what he has done. What he has done. Moses and Aaron didn't do much in order to flee from Egypt, other than we saw last week, be obedient to what God said and promised he would do. God provided salvation, God provided the substitute, God provided the way out of Egypt, God parts the sea, God kills all the Egyptians, God does it all. Verse two is a revelation of who God is, I am the Lord your God, and of what he has done. And it's vital that we understand the commandments in that context, it's not something that we do in order to create a relationship with God. If I keep all the commandments, maybe he'll like me. The commandments are a description of what a people who are already in relationship with God live like. This is what their life is shaped by. A relationship in terms of the people and God. Worshipping him, not making false idols, not taking his name in vain. And relationship on the horizontal we might say, one with another, our parents and uh, the creation, the environment in terms of resting and rhythms, and in terms of our interpersonal relationships with the wider community. We don't murder, we don't steal, we don't bear false witness and so on. They describe what a people will look like that are already in relationship with God, that already have his life living in them. They're not so much about what we do the Ten Commandments are more about what God has already done. Oh, we got a bit squashed up there. but uh, Actually, Sarah, I was, I was playing on my PowerPoint, and Sarah at the back has done a brilliant job at mending it. So thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I, I messed it up. The Ten Commandments, not about what we do, so much as about what God has already done. And he sets out these commandments to describe what a life in relationship with God might look like. And so the relevance for today is we've just baptized Daisy, taking the font away. And the question for us is, and for uh, Nick and for Rebecca and for their wider family, is what kind of life, what kind of words, rather, would we use to describe the life that we hope Daisy will have? Are they the kind of things enshrined in the words that God gave to his people? We're trusting today that Daisy and I want to charitably assume that all of us here are in covenant relationship with God, a personal relationship with him first and foremost. And as such, as we go out back to our schools after half-term, as we go to our places of work and to our communities, as we do the kind of things we're gifted and skilled and called to do, we give our time to, in covenant relationship with God, then what kind of life will we live? Will it be one that pays attention to God, pays attention to our immediate relationships and our wider community relationships as described by God's 10 words? That's why we pray for Daisy, it's a battle. We pray for all of us that our lives would be a continuing harmony in knowledge of peace and joy and love, as we sang earlier, in harmony with God and in harmony with others. And we pray that that might be the case for Daisy, for all of us who are baptized into Christ's family and that God's 10 words would pour out of lives in union and relationship with him. Let's have a moment or two. Just uh, You might like to have page 74 or 75 open to look at what is enshrined in those words. We may not uh, necessarily be coveting our neighbor's ox or donkey, but our neighbor probably has all sorts of other things contemporary with the 21st century that we're tempted to covet perhaps. It's an opportunity now just to ask God to fill us with such a satisfaction in him that we find ourselves desiring to live by these words because our relationship with him is so precious and so vital. Well in just a few minutes we're gonna sing our final hymn Amazing grace. Let me just uh, wrap up our thoughts here with a prayer as we lead into that final hymn. Father, we want to sing and celebrate of your amazing grace, your amazing love and generosity, that you should recognize the people Israel and form relationship with them and call them out of slavery and into freedom. And you are the same God today, Lord. Your grace is no less amazing. And we ask, as we've had Daisy as our visual aid today, but for every single one of us, that we'd know your recognition and your compassion and your favor. That we would respond by way of our relationship with you and that our lives would be marked and shaped by your spirit in us. That these words would be a blessing not just to us, but to others, so that your name may be praised and glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing our final hymn, Amazing Grace.